Boo, and welcome to the Plainside Podcast. My name is Alex. I'm here with my good old buddies, my good old pals, Cam Jordan. Cam, what up? I'm sorry, let me come from hiding under the bed after being so scared of that opening. Oh man, it's Zachary Kuyat. Zach, how you doing? I'm doing a boo, too, a Medea Halloween. That's what. I, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> a Medea Halloween. See, I was thinking, how can I, we're doing a spooky season, season. Is that is that what it's called? A spooky season season? I would have just said a spooky season. No, I think it's just a spooky season. It can be whatever you oh, okay. want. Okay, I see I see where you're going with it. Because okay. it's a yeah. season about spooky season. Yeah. I so it's it. a spooky season S Z N season. S E A S O N. Yeah. That's good. That's very good. Yes. And then a spooky season season saison if we wanted to have a drink with it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, so I just wanted to capture spooky season in our intro and i think i did it well enough i think Um, you nailed it you know if i had two more seconds to prepare for that intro i would have come out and said thank you for addressing me as i am the little girl from monsters inc um (laughs) but i didn't quite think of that fast enough i thought well the problem is the problem is the the intro scared you so much that you were spooky season 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 up in fear Ooh, mm. <laughs> speaking of, never mind. Um, we're talking about the Babadook. It's, it's, it's pronounced Duke, right? That's what I was reading. Yes, I think so. That's how I've been saying it. It's Duke like look. I always thought it was Duke like puke mm. or whatever. I don't think it's but, like that. <laughs> see, I think it's the Babadook. See, uh, I've been in my head saying Babadook. But see, it, I always it, had two until sense. today. I wasn't when I was really doing a little bit of research. The problem is they have an like Australian accent, and that's not way. fair when we try to pronounce it not with an Australian accent. We don't know what we're supposed to do. Zach, go for it. That's yeah, what he said. Zach, I need, I need our. Um, what's what's the name of the segment? <laughs> no, let's not take it back. It's ready said Zach. <laughs> Ready, set, Zach. I need our ready, set, Zach to happen in an Australian accent. Cam, that's what happens when you try to, like, hijack hosting duties right in the middle of the show. (laughs) No, I wasn't trying. Cam was like, okay, Zach, go for it. I was like, okay, let's go for it. No, 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 no. I was was trying to say, like, Zach, go for it with, like, the give us your best Australian accent. And then halfway into that, I decided "Mm, it would be funny if you did the (laughs) segment with Australian accent. Yeah, I was trying like to it. take over. See, I thought okay. what happened was it's Cam okay. did one episode on his own and he got high, too high on his horse and he said, I can host this show now. <laughs> We've done a whole podcast since then where we made fun of Alex for not being a good host. So. <laughs> We've done several podcasts where we made fun of Alex for not being a good host. Anyways, ready, set, Zach. Tell us about the bad um, I'm not, Australian is not an accent that I have in my back pocket. Uh, it's just like, Crikey, she's a beauty, isn't she? That's all I've got. Um, it's mostly things from the crocodile that. hunter. That's all I can do. Um, but the Babadook is a, uh, it's an Australian horror movie. That's about a widow and her son. Um, and he's, he, he's dealing with like the normal kid things, the like fear of monsters under the bed and in the closet and all that. And he gets fixated on this book about Mr. Babadook. Um, as that, I think that's why I've been saying Duke because it's a book and that rhymes, but you know, <coughs> ah, I might be making that it's up. It's a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a book about Mr. Baba Duke, yes. Um, a book. But she tries to get rid of the book, and then he sees the Baba Duke in the car with them, and 
And so she gets him like sleeping pills and then she has to deal with the fact that he has become real in her life. And in the end, uh, they, they kind of, um, reach a, a, an uneasy peace with the Babadook. They don't really expel him from their home. Uh, he lives in the basement at the end. That's a real spoiler alert for this movie, but it's like five years old, so get over it. We've already uh, understood my stance on when you're allowed to spoil things. <laughs> Zach thinks yeah. spoiler alert should work like milk. You got about a week after you open it and it's done. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you know, for TV shows, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Cam, go ahead. I didn't think it was a good movie. Oh man, I really didn't. I I thought I thought it was like really average. I was never really scared, and I thought a lot of it was really kind of corny. Mm. That hurts my heart a little bit because I think this is a really good movie. <laughs> no, every every time the Babadook came in, like. It just it felt it, it just felt corny. I think I think the thing is that it it sort of straddles a line between like a pure horror movie and a movie with some scary stuff that's really trying to say something instead. Because it's got this like we're gonna do, you know, tall scary man in the closet and and like he's up in the corner of the room and she's afraid of that. And you you're gonna do that whole part, but also it's a movie that is really about like the nature of grieving and loss and fear. And it's, I think it's leaning so hard on that stuff that I think sometimes it sacrifices. I think it chooses to sacrifice some of the scary stuff to get to the thematic things it wants to do. I think I was just watching it with the expectation of being scared and I never really was. Oh yeah. You definitely are going to get scared. Yeah. And and so I think yeah that storyline was was cool um, with with her her husband and and kind of how that that laid out and I, I thought I mean there were some some deep things there for sure um, and some cool takeaways for for what we do but yeah I, I wasn't like watching this like in love with it I thought I mean it was it was a whole lot of buildup I mean I looked yeah. the movie was over halfway before Babadook even shows mm-hmm. up. And then it's like a couple scenes, like it feels like it's over really fast because of how yeah. quick everything ends up. Yeah, yeah, I think one thing I liked about this movie is, as someone who didn't really grow up watching <clears throat> horror movies or has never really been a horror movie guy, um, I almost got very distracted. I'll mention whatever I'm talking thinking about right now later. Um, <laughs> but this movie just felt like really different. Zach, am I wrong? Yeah, it's. It's not the, it's not gonna like land in some of the classic horror. People getting murdered, right? You're, cabin in the woods. You're not getting that kind of stuff. You're also not really getting the sort of modern horror thing where it's like, you know, The Conjuring and Insidious and that kind of stuff where it's yeah. bad things are happening, but in the end we some people die, but we overcome. It's like it it doesn't do a lot of the traditional scares. And then at the end of the movie, it's like this uneasy moving forward instead of a real, like satisfying victory. It's, I thought that was wild. It's a really interesting. It's like, I just watched, um, haunting of Hill house because I've been at home, um, for the last week quarantining. Um, and it's like, if at the end of that show, they just decided to go back and move into the house again, (laughs) <laughs> and like that's how the show ended. 
Okay, so without getting too deep too quick, maybe the it the ending was so weird. But I think a lot of like Zach was kind of alluding to earlier, what what I find so interesting about this movie is for me personally, the the normal horror movie is not always very enjoyable. Um, because it's basically what, what's the purpose, mm-hmm. you know, what am I learning? What am I gaining? Um, because I'm weird like that. Um, and always looking for something and everything, unless it's the cat in the hat. But <laughs> I, I will say there's a lot you can learn from the cat in the hat and I cannot wait to write about it one day when I have <laughs> fingers again, but on what our non-existent blog page, yeah, the blog yeah, we forgot about. I'm going to bring it back with cat in the hat. We're going to get millions of hits. Um, so, but I think one of the, the weird things about the ending and how unsettling it is and how it's basically like you learn to live with the monster mm-hmm. is a lot of, in a lot of ways, the monster kind of maybe represents um, mom's trauma or what mom is hiding from with losing her husband on the way to deliver the baby, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 And so, like, what it means to be a single mother and not really get to grieve because you just lost your husband, but also like, here's a baby that you have to take care of. Here's a human. Yeah. Um, and how sometimes that's never going to necessarily go away, but you have to learn how to live with it. And it's that weird tension at the end. And I think that's why this movie was so good to have for a podcast. Uh, but also so interesting to me because of what it represents and the relationship between mother and son is so fascinating. Um, that I loved the movie, but that's mostly because it's just super different and weird to me, and um, I it wasn't anything like I expected. Yeah, I think I think it it's definitely objectively about like analyzing that relationship, and and it's a super complex thing to try to talk about the idea that in the process of having a child that you would lose a husband, it's such a very unique and specific relationship. But I think this movie doesn't really. Yeah. In, it, it has an interesting way of of analyzing that and and looking at it and trying to put a viewpoint forward that you wouldn't normally connect with because I do think this is also just a really good movie but watching it and analyzing it like we do for this show um, makes you like read into things a little more specifically and and that's not a perspective I ever would have connected with without this movie. Yeah, it's just, it's such a specific situation, but it also can make you think of, like, I don't want to get too corny. Guys, can I get really corny for a Get second? corny. It just makes you think of, like, what are, the, what are the own monsters in your closet that you're trying to wrestle with, you know, that you're trying to do the <laughs> dance with? And um, it, it is nowhere close to my husband dying while I'm in the process of childbirth. In. Oh, that's my exact one. <laughs> that happened again. Yeah, 100%. A couple that's why times, I related actually, to it so much. Twice. That's yeah. why you hated yeah, the yeah, movie yeah. so much. It, it was, was too, too real. <laughs> it's just, it's odd movie. It's an hour and a half long. It feels like it flies by. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's like introduction, boom, here's a monster, boom, movie's over. Um, Pretty much, yeah. Very, very odd. But also, can I do want to talk just a second about the Babadook and how maybe it's Abraham Lincoln? <laughs> <laughs> is that not well, everybody knows? The only right, thing ahead. about Abraham Lincoln is that uh, is big hat. So yeah, 
clearly. So tall, tall and big, big hat. hat. Scary a little bit. I bet Abraham Lincoln was a little scary. Um, maybe that's just because I've seen all like the Abraham Lincoln vampire fighters or what is vampire it? Vampire like, hunter? Yeah. <laughs> what what in the world was that about? Can we do? A it was about on that? Abraham Lincoln being a vampire hunter. It's right there in the title. Alex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that was pretty self-explanatory. Oh man. So I mean, I think for spooky season, this is going to be a real fun test for our podcast, guys. Um, and if we can have a little meeting inside of our podcast, real quick, okay, quick podcast, um, while meeting. I can just take us off the yeah. Rails. Hey, listeners, yeah, everybody, just we're gonna have a, a separate meeting here, just in this space. So yeah, just, just don't listen for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can leave the Go recording ahead. on, but just like uh, come back. We'll tell you when to come back. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I think they're gone. okay. I think they're gone. Let's talk. Oh, they never even got here. Let's be honest. <laughs> How in the world do we go our normal 20 minutes of serious time with these scary movies? I, I mean, I've I have so much to talk about. This is so easy, Alex. I don't think so, but okay. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, you guys you, could come back. You also didn't watch the movie. <laughs> I've watched the movie several times. I didn't watch the movie today. Thanks for outing me in our secret meeting. <laughs> No, we told them not to listen. We're fine. <laughs> okay, but I said they could come yeah, back, and did, then you said did that. Say we could come back. <laughs> Look, it's been a long, hard week. I've, I've, it's been really tough. Hey, it happens to the best of us. I took a nap, and I forgot to watch the movie. <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> okay. Cam, what are your what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I so I think my my first one, and this is probably a conversation we can have with a lot of horror movies, um, because a lot of horror movies kind of present this idea of like something supernatural happening to like one person who like the rest of the cast, like they don't see it, but it's this idea of like not trying to assume that you understand what everybody else is going through. Uh, there's a lot of this movie that is built around this idea of, of her presenting her struggle, both as like a widow um, and specifically surrounding that situation. And we even see her kind of blow up where people are like having conversations about like what's going on in their life. And she's like, oh, I'm sure that's like so hard and all this stuff. And people try to like assume her situation at times and be like, well, why aren't you over it? And all this stuff. And like, that's not fair to do. And that pushes people to such extremes when you refuse to give them space to grieve uh, the way that they need to, instead of putting your grief expectations on it. And that doesn't even have to be with losing a loved one. That's with, with anything. Um, we're in the middle of uh, a, a pandemic and I've had to tell my, my students almost every week, like I'm going through COVID differently than every single one of you are going through COVID. And I shouldn't expect other people to adjust to a global pandemic the same way I do, because we all come at it with different uh, backgrounds and different perspectives. I've talked about it before, but there's this idea of like perspective versus reality, where reality is the combination of all of our perspectives. And therefore, absolute reality is not achievable because I will never understand Zach's perspective or Alex's perspective. Um, and I shouldn't try. That's that's why there's value on our perspective. And so um, trying to assume that you know exactly how other people are adjusting to things and, and taking trauma uh, is really dangerous and, and it's not something that, that you have the right to do. Yeah, and I think to, to add on to that, <clears throat> um, to add on to that, there, there's a through line in this movie where she tries to deny that there's anything happening. 
again, as so often happens in horror movies, she tries to deny that there's anything weird going on in the house, that there's anything, that he's seeing anything in his closet and under his bed, which, to be fair, uh, he's a child. She should deny that at least for a while. Um, but she <laughs> tries to deny it there, and she tries to push away this this difficulty that she's having by having him share a birthday party with his cousin so that she doesn't have to think about that day specifically. You know, there's a lot of her not giving herself space to deal with those hardships. Um, and I think there, there's a tendency to do that in life too. When, when something shows up that is, is difficult, I think a lot of times we forget to give ourselves space to have a hard time with these things. Um, but um, this is not the, the like contextual correct pull for it but hey jesus wept you know the man cried <laughs> <laughs> but it's i mean you're not wrong the truth, <laughs> and like yeah he yeah, yeah, he yeah. also dealt with hardship and had times when he had to understand i need to be willing to cry and grieve and hurt about this and and the same way that she tries to pretend that the Babadook isn't real and tries to tell her son that there is nothing to be afraid of when in reality there is, I think we have to learn to accept that that is a part of what happened to us. That is something that exists in the real world. And we have to, instead of pretending it doesn't exist, you have to find a way to sort of coexist with it in your own life, which is weird to think about, but you got to stick it in the basement and feed it a dead rat every once in a while. <laughs> You know, I, it's kind of weird. There's, I've been, and Melody's in the other room. She can hear me talking, so who knows if this will um, be a weird conversation later. But um, one thing I'm, I'm kind of learning myself is a lot of times I do this in my marriage or I will do this with my friends is I will have a really hard day. Um, I'll be going through whatever it is I'm going through. Um, and then the second I feel any ounce of somebody else having a hard time in my brain, it's, it's, I have to switch off my hard time so that I can help fix whatever's going on with them. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that I can be Alex, the friend or Alex, the, the pastor pastor or Alex, the husband or Alex, whatever it is. Um, and one thing I'm kind of sorting through is there's this, there's this weird line. Okay. Of. Um, trying to seek to understand those around us without thinking we know everything about their situation. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's, it's unhealthy for us to not try and seek to understand because if we can't do that, how can we ever really help or reach out to anyone if we don't try and understand what they're going through? But there's this line and there's this humility we always <clears throat> have to keep about ourselves is I should never get to a point where I feel like I know. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I know the way they feel. Um, and in the same way, I always have to understand that people don't know how I'm feeling unless I tell them. Um, but even when I tell them, I don't think sometimes they're going to understand the weight and the magnitude of the way I'm feeling. Um, and it's all these little <clears throat> weird communication errors. And then it ends up, um, you, you, I feel like a lot of times I just kind of throw my hands up and say, okay, I'll just fight this one on my own. Mm, yeah, right. and I couldn't um, and I couldn't imagine being this single mother who has just went through everything, who gives off crazy vibes. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure, gives off crazy. Hundred you know, percent. Yeah, 
And so you have to understand, like, what if this was my neighbor? How would I think? <laughs> um, and I would probably be a little turned off. I'd probably kind of keep my distance. <laughs> and Melody just sent me a sad face text. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Melody's better than all of us. <laughs> she is yeah. the best of all of us. That's that's been yeah. long determined. But everybody um, brace yourself for the the Melody standalone podcast <laughs> as an extension of the Plain Sight yeah. Tree. Our hundredth episode is just gonna be Melody. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be doing a Plain Sight type of review on of our all of show. our podcasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be so good. But like, it just it becomes so intricate and it becomes so messy that like I feel like a lot of times in these situations, no one really. We all confuse ourselves about how we actually feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then to not be too cheesy, it turns into something that's just a big, gross Abraham Lincoln-looking monster. <laughs> Every time. Um, and then we have to reckon with that. Um, and sometimes it feels like it eats us and defeats us. And then sometimes it feels like um, if we all pull together, and in this case, through her relationship with her son they're able to pull together and have this closeness that I think there's this and tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. You have already outed me for not watching this movie today. Uh, but there's this weird tension from mom to son. Um, as if she obviously loves her son, but there's this almost like I lost my husband and you remind me of it, mm-hmm. and maybe even a little bit of, of it's your fault, kind of. Yeah, for yeah, sure, hundred percent. You know, and so throughout this, it's when it's when she's finally acknowledging the big scary monster she's been fighting for years, mm-hmm. um, and when she's finally acknowledging that, finally acknowledging the importance of opening up to the people that she is closest with, aka in this situation, her son. Or reckoning with the things that hurt the most to look at and to see in this situation, her son. Um, it's through that that she really gets to find some sort of not happy ending, but this weird starting place of at least now I can recognize what's going on and I don't have to walk in it alone. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times there's this huge, messy, gray area that we find ourselves swimming in. I know me specifically. Um, and like, to be, just be blunt, it's been a real tough week for me. And a lot of times it just feels like, man, the, the smallest thing, like I had the wrong size filter for my furnace when I went to go change it today. And it just like threw my whole mood off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, there's no way this could have me this upset, but it's just like, it feels like I just got punched in the face over and over and over again this week. And if I don't cope with it, if I don't really address it and learn how to deal with it eventually it's just going to take me out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and, go ahead. No, keep going. Well, so I think to, to level up that, that idea, I think there's this idea of how we approach that as friends as well. Like mm-hmm. as friends of someone who is struggling. Um, I was, there was a, a Ted talk I was showing in a class last week by Celeste Headley. And it's, 10 ways to have better or more meaningful conversations. And it's like one of the five most viewed TikToks of all time. It's like Simon Sinek and then her, because that's something that just people don't know how to do. Yeah. People don't know how to have meaningful conversations and be good listeners. And, and I think one thing that she really talks about is this idea of like sympathy versus empathy mm. and how like if, if somebody in a conversation talks about something 
bad going on in their life, say like someone passing away, that's not your time to then share when you had someone pass away. Right. Like that is like sympathy trying to say like, hey, I've been there too. Like, it's not that bad. Here's how I grieved. Here's how you can grieve. Check that off my list. Mm -hmm. As a friend, oh, I, like, I was a support for you. Instead, like, recognizing that they're going to go through that differently because their relationship was inevitably different than yours. Yeah. And, And when somebody is going through something, when somebody is having a horrible time at their job, it's not the time for me to mention that things aren't going well at my job. Maybe that's true. And maybe there is room for that conversation sometime down the line. But allowing each other that space to, like, grieve out loud without you trying to, like relate to them and that's something i'm bad at and i know I'm awful that. At it, can <laughs> and so like it's it's a wake-up call for me but i even had a, a student bring up she's like i don't i don't agree with that because like that's a good way to connect with people is like relating stories and things and i think the difference is when people are in the midst of a hard time it's not necessarily time to relate on that level mm-hmm. it's it's time to just let them talk and let them be upset and and remember that we aren't the ones who are supposed to make them feel better. God is the one that we want to point them to. And if everything I do is trying to give you like words that I say smooth enough for you to emotionally feel better, <laughs> then like I'm putting myself on way too high of a pedestal and not giving God enough credit as the healer, as the provider. Mm-hmm. To, to support someone in that way. And, and that's something I know I fail at as, as somebody who loves having conversations and relating to people. That line is tough. That balance is tough. Yeah. I think it's, it's something that I've been like called out for in, in relationships before is wanting to fix things instead of just wanting to listen and wanting to like yeah. be a part of it. It's like as much as we, I know we're all kind of talking about this, wanting to have a tendency to go, well, here's a solution. Why don't you do this? And then it'll be better. Having to acknowledge the fact that different things work for different people. Not everything is going to function the same for everybody. And also there is not, you know, the, the first moment that you're hearing about somebody's pain is not necessarily the moment to try to fix whatever situation they're in. You know, even if it's just like, here's a frustrating thing that's happening to me and I can't quite figure out how to get around it. Sometimes you don't want that fixed. And I have, I'm also guilty of like not wanting that fixed and being irritated if somebody tries to give me a solution to it. Um, but that's, that's so like often my gut instinct is to go like, here's how I think you could fix it. But that's, that's half the time it's not helpful. And almost all the time it's insulting because it's like, I didn't come to you because I think you're smarter than me to fix my problem. I came to you because I want to share a moment with you and connect with you. But when I, when, when I hear a problem from somebody and I start going, ah, I have the answer to that. It's like, did you even listen to what I was saying? Or did you just wait for me to stop talking so that you could start talking about your solution to the problem? Right. Well, and that's another thing Celeste says is that like, we listen to respond. We don't listen to listen. And like, the more I think about that, the more I realize like how true that is. Like, we'll forget the rest of what somebody said because five minutes ago in the middle of their monologue, we thought of like a question to ask and we got set on that. And now that moment has passed, but we're still sitting on that. Like, we're just so bad conversationalists that like, 
we're more worried about how we're going to respond to something than what people are actually saying. Yeah, I think I find myself on both sides of those coins probably far too often. And I think everybody probably feels that way. Um, and it's probably the thing that most people are really bad at. Um, and it's because we don't really get taught how to communicate effectively that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know what we want, but we don't know how to be that. Right. Um, do you guys have anything else? Um, I was going to also talk about, we can kind of tie it in here. The, the fact that this movie really, um, that we've talked about the ending being kind of like unsettling and, and almost unsatisfying. Um, because like we've talked about, they don't get rid of the Babadook at the end of the movie. It, it moves into the basement and I think they feed it like spaghetti and meatballs right at the end of the movie or something like that. Oh, worms. Oh no worms. You're right. I could have sworn yeah. there was real food in there, but you're right. It was worms. <laughs> no, it was worms. He found while playing with his little dart. Gun. Yes, that's correct. He does feed worms to the Babadook, but <laughs> I, in the same, all of these things that we've been talking about, all of these like personal issues that we have, all of these, you know, occasional failings. Um, I think we're so tempted all the time to think we have to find ways to expel them completely from who we are. Um, we, we, if, if I am a compulsive liar and, and guilty about that, well, eventually I just need to completely expel lying from my entire life and from who I am as a person. And I think not to say that you should just not try and give up and, and live in whatever your issue is, but, um, finding ways to to cope that understand who you are as a person where i can acknowledge yes this is an issue that i have and and here is why it's an issue and here is what it does to me and recognizing that and acknowledging that and then finding ways to grow beyond it while still having it there to understand this is what my issue is these are my own personal scars, my own personal failings, whatever it may be, not losing them completely. Because if we lose those things, a lot of times we fall back into them, but still being aware of them and, and finding ways to grow with them still around, but no longer interfering. I think the first step of knowing how to win a battle like that is knowing what in the world you're fighting. Mm -hmm. Um, And once you can recognize that and sort of, reel it into a place where I can look you in the eye and know you're still terrifying. Um, but I know how to deal with you maybe a little bit or what you are at least. Um, that is as significant as it gets. That's when real change starts to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think even the, the next step is to remember like why you're fighting. Like you are not fighting this battle scary Cameron. And because you care about your son, (laughs) Yes, but in this scenario, <laughs> remembering that you aren't fighting like whatever it is because if you don't win, you won't get to heaven. I think one thing that's that's cool about Christianity compared to any other religion is the old like mountaintop comparison of like every religion, there's like you at the bottom of a mountain, God at the top, and then you are trying to make your way up there 
Whereas for us, like we're at the bottom, God's at the top. We take the first step. God comes off the mountain and then walks with us up. And like you aren't fighting these, you know, whether it's it's sin, whatever, whatever it is that like you're fighting against. It's not this mentality of I'm fighting this so I can beat it and go to heaven. It's I'm fighting this because God's with me and I know I can be better than whatever I'm facing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's going to give you a lot of strength as well. And that's kind of where she came from was like she remembered her, her why. It wasn't just to beat it because if that's your motivation, you're probably not going to get very far. Mm-hmm. Because odds are whatever it is you're fighting is probably like a lot of fun. Like that's <laughs> probably why, why it's addictive. That's why you do it. Um, but the reasoning is because there is something better and you know that. And if you remember that, I think it's going to help you kind of come to the other side of it. Yep. Fantastic point. And I have nothing to add. That was a great way to wrap that. One. No notes. <laughs> no notes. Uh, guys. Yeah. May I make a proposition? I would love it. <laughs> Y'all want to get silly? I would, love, I would love nothing more than to get silly. I would silly. love to get silly. Welcome to the silly zone. Um, I have a, I have a, I have a take. Well, we both have a thing. You go first. Uh, mine is short. Mine is that the real enemy of this movie is clearly books. <laughs> <laughs> the real point of the Babadook like, is books are bad. <laughs> if she wasn't reading, Babadook never would have come. Like, <laughs> it's clear that the issue is books. Mm, you're right. It's the new stance of the Plainsight podcast that reading is bad. Yeah, don't yeah, read. That's yeah. why we're not a book medium. That's why we didn't write books. We, we made a podcast. That's why we stopped we, blogs. You didn't want the three of us to haunt you and your son in Australia. <laughs> yeah, if if we kept writing blogs, eventually we were going to accidentally start haunting an Australian widow and her, her blonde son who looks terrifying. <laughs> we were gonna have Terrifying. that responsibility on us. Very scary boy. Um, can I ask y'all a question? Yeah. I was thinking about this while we were prepping for this episode. Um, Cam, you mentioned that you don't think this movie is very scary, which I will give you. I don't think it's like horrifying, but I think there's a couple moments that are like deeply unsettling and are quite scary. Like reading through the book. Like when she gets the book off the front porch and starts reading through it and that whole sequence I think is a lot and the Babadook at the end I think is very scary. But it got me thinking um, about some of my, some moments in non-scary movies that do scare me more than anything in this movie. Um, And I wanted to know if you two had either had um, moments like that in movies. So I'll give you a couple of my examples so that you have a second to think. Um, One of them for me that scarred me deeply from a young age um, was, I don't know how familiar you all are with um, a little film called Spider-Man 2 starring Tobey Maguire. (laughs) (laughs) Not nearly as familiar as you. Definitely not. But there's a scene in that movie when uh, Harry Osborn is standing out on the balcony of his penthouse and he starts starts, uh, hearing some sort of low rumbling, low banging coming from somewhere and he walks out towards the edge of the balcony to see what it is. And all of a sudden one of Dr. Octopus's arms just reaches up around and grabs him by the face. Um, just scarred me as a child. And then he starts talking (laughs) about tritium and made up elements that he wants for his, his tiny son, like S U N not S O N tiny son is from the Babadook. Tiny son is from 
It's from Spider-Man 2. But being grabbed by one of Dr. Octopus's arms just, wow, really got to me. Um, also on that list is in uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. It's a real small one, but he meets up with Bilbo and Rivendell, and Bilbo sees the one ring for the first time since he gave it up. And I don't know if you two... You, Cam is nodding to me because yep. he remembers this. I know Bilbo's exactly what you're talking about. turns into a monster for a second and he's just like, Wah! and he tries to grab it. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you for me. I don't like that at all. It's bad. Can I Can I jump back to the Spider-Man Please one? Please do. Have I told the two of you about when my like night terrors first started? <laughs> have, no. have we had this conversation? No. Was it Doc okay. Ock? No, so, okay, uh, for the audience, um, I have unbelievably vivid night terrors. It's why, like, I don't do well on melatonin, um, because I have, I, like, reenact movie scenes a lot, but with my family as, like, the victim. Mm -hmm. So, like, I've had dreams about pretty much everyone that I'm close to dying, and they're all extremely vivid. I had, I had a, 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 a nightmare where my, my brother, my now brother-in-law, like, kidnapped my, my sister and, like, killed her. Like, like dark stuff. So the first one I ever had was the scene from Spider-Man where um, Green Goblin takes out, like, the wall with the aunt where she's in there, like, praying. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's just, like, fire. And it, that scene scared me for, like, a year. Like a long time because I had dreams of every single one of my family member as the aunt. Every <laughs> single one for a year. And I was terrified of the Green Goblin. I was terrified of Spider-Man. I mean, it, it was it was the first time my parents can ever remember me like being like, I had a nightmare. And it was me having it like night in, night out for a very long time. Um, so I, I get you. I see where you're going with that. That is... That is um, bad and scarring and deeply unfortunate but it does make me think i would love to see a reboot of the toby Maguire spider-man movies but with friend friend of the show tyler jordan as aunt may <laughs> all the grandma makeup on too yeah yeah yeah, he, yeah. but like not like even that Harris. scene aunt may yeah, just the whole not thing. that scene aunt may but the rest of the scenes where aunt may is relevant yeah, i want all the it's scenes. just my brother i want tyler jordan as in the entire movie as aunt may <laughs> see yeah with yeah, me yeah. I I think it's kind of weird. Um, we've all talked Enneagram a lot. This is one of the things that like made me like blew my mind when I was reading uh, some books about my Enneagram type. Is anytime there's really anything sad or any conflict that happens in a TV show or a movie, I hate it. Mm. I can't stand it. Yeah. Like if I'm watching How I Met Your Mother, and I know <laughs> Lily's about to leave for San Francisco, I'll just skip a couple seasons. Like before it even happened. A couple seasons? Yeah. Because you missed I them getting back together and married. <laughs> I want to ensure that I'm not going to have to feel that pain in that moment. I love that you're like, uh, I don't even want to accidentally get to an episode where they talk about it. No. So I'm just going to skip all the way around it. <laughs> we go way forward. I want to skip this entire plot line. And so but I think like, there's that's a lot of every these... movie and every show. I know. There's not yeah, a awful. single art that doesn't have like something sad happening. Otherwise, it's a really terrible movie. I know. That's why I skip and like I'll be in the middle of an episode and I'll be like, oh, this is how this ends. Next episode. <laughs> Do it all the time just because I don't want to feel it. I don't want to feel it at the moment. And mm. I don't want my heart to have that worry. I don't want that anxiety in my life. 
But so that's one. And then as a child, the one that the scene that I couldn't get over that for some reason was so terrifying to me was when Scar killed Mufasa. Yeah, that's fair. That was a lot of no, people. That's I a think. good one. And yeah. I would watch Lion King all the time and fast forward past that part. Same sort of idea, <laughs> basically, Cam. Please put that on the socials. Um, but so I've had a lot of moments like that. Um, guys, can we step away from movie talk for just a second and I can talk about an experience I had last night? <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. I went paintballing for the first time. I got a little bit of a time. Oh, yeah. I I've been hear wanting to yeah. hear about this. Guys, it sucked. I had no <laughs> fun. <laughs> well, okay. One, what did you wear? Um, I wore, I couldn't find any jeans and we were out doing a bunch of other stuff for, uh, my good buddy Harrison Rice's bachelor party. Harrison, if you're listening to this, I loved paintballing last night. It was so much fun. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I just took, but some also maybe pants. leave the podcast now. So I just threw some sweatpants on and a hoodie is basically it. Mm-hmm. But, um, so your, your, your glasses get foggy. <laughs> we played three games. I died basically in the first two minutes each time. (laughs) I don't think I shot anyone. (laughs) At one point in the last game, I thought I might have saw someone and just wanted to seem impressive and was just across the entire map just so people thought I was actually doing something. (laughs) I just wanted to feel like I was part of the team. So I was just shooting in the air uh, the entire time. So. Here's the thing. I went in with hopes that I was going to be able to 360 no-scope somebody. Yeah, how'd that go? I didn't do it. It doesn't sound like it went good. Well, (laughs) if you do remember, I told you those odds were not great. Yeah, (laughs) That's true. I just had such a long day. Um, I think if we would have went at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, I'd have went crazy. I'd have went ham out. (laughs) But since we went at night, we played three games. I died like immediately each time. And left thinking, I'm not sure I'll ever do that again. <laughs> and I feel bad because everybody loves it so much. And I just, I feel like I should have had a good time, but I didn't. I died immediately I, every time. I think I'm too big a target. I think that's the issue. <laughs> I'm so, you need to go it's hard to at a time. Um, and I had no clue how to aim them things. It's, that's, that like, part's like he, point and click, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's like so i'm trying to like look down to see if i can see it come out the bolt the barrel so i can see where it's going but you got the big old thing the tank that holds all the paper that's because you're firing a sphere and it is not going to work like that it's basically like firing a musket where you just point and hope that's it was it. just curving yeah. in the uh-huh. air that's what i'm saying you just well, yeah you just reach they're out. not long range weapons you gotta reach out you <laughs> might as well go that's... one hand and just turn it sideways and point you know <laughs> yep Honestly, my, I should have just done that. <laughs> the highlight of my time as a paintballer was when we went as a fraternity and uh, I, I'd just broken my foot. And so I had like a walking boot that I wrapped in a trash bag. So I was hopping across this paintball <laughs> field on one leg, just like sidearm, like, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> and um, I think, Alex, what you need to do is go at a time where you aren't going to be like super strict about like, Oh, one hit and you're out. Mm-hmm. You, you need to just bit. get some paintball guns, go to an open area with some friends, and just shoot each other. Like, make your <laughs> own games. Can yeah. we That's... invite our Plain Sight audience to a game of paintball? 
Yeah, absolutely. the Garrickies and our moms to <laughs> to go play paintball. Scott Kuyat would come play paintball with us, and it would not be fun anymore because he would have he would have the time of his life just shooting yeah. at us. No, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> See, I think me and Zach would be the ones, and this is I had another guy. Me and Zach would probably be the ones that kind of like hang in the back and try and be tactical and hide behind stuff. Yep. Which I'm big, I don't hide behind stuff, <laughs> and then I was. I would, like, find myself in the middle of nowhere trying to, like, look and see if I can find a person then realize, oh, gosh, I'm a huge target in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and there were several times, and by several, I mean two of the three times I died, I still have no clue where I got shot from or who shot me. <laughs> when you died, did you yell out, he's one shot, he's one shot? I did not. Um, I wish there would have been a death chat, though, um, so I could <laughs> talk I about their mom. Um, but... It was it was an experience, I guess, but I don't think I had fun, and I was very tired. Um, and I came home and I took a shower, and then I was very, very upset that I didn't get to to eliminate anybody. I didn't shoot a single person, and I'm very upset with myself. <laughs> that is pretty sad. I won't lie to you. You guys want to play a game on the greatest game show podcast in the history of game show podcast with the greatest game show podcast name in the history of game show podcast names? I would love to. I think so. It's called Laffery with Zachary. Zachary is today's game away. us paintballing. Um, unfortunately, we will not be paintballing in the middle of this episode of the show. Um, before we start, I've, I've decided that in the honor of um, doing, you know, spooky things in this spooky month, um, that each week I'm going to try to um, summon a ghost um, but I know that I've already summoned a ghost before, but that was like a traditional, like ghost from the past. Um, like a seance in plain sight. <laughs> <laughs> um, something to that more like burning effigies and hoping something reacts to it. Um, but you know, ghosts are always real old, right? Like from a long time ago, but like people died a lot more recently than that. Why don't we see any ghosts from like the 90s and early 2000s? So that's what I've decided this week I'm going to try to do is is get me a ghost from more recent history. So we're going to aim for like late 90s, early 2000s. I've got um, I've got a Walkman. Um, I've got my DVD copy of The Fast and the Furious. Um, I have just one single dreadlock from a white guy. Um <laughs> It is, it is frosted on the end just to really there complete the look. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, and of course, a pair of Jenko jeans. Um, and I'm just going to use my copy of uh, the of the Fast and the Furious to fan the flames on the rest of it and see what happens if I burn everything. So we'll just it's 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 go. Oh, oh, there's some there's some activity in the embers, guys. I don't want to uh, please too be excited, Paul Walker. But... Please be Paul Walker. Please be Paul Walker. <laughs> um, oh, someone has appeared. Yo, what's up, dude? Uh, how's it going? Uh, yeah, hello, um, mysterious ghost of the 90s and early 2000s. Um, I, 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 you guys can see, but for the listeners at home, uh, this guy is super dope. Like, he is very dope. He's got a hat on sideways. He's got big jeans, and he is carrying a skateboard. So, like, this guy is super cool. Um, Pennyboard or a skateboard? Oh, no, this is, is it this one of is the a characters from the new Tony Hawk video game? No, this is, he's from, you're from, yeah, I'm from Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, the original, dude. Like, it's. I'm, Underground 2? Yeah, like, this, he, he, this dude's legit. Hey, do you have a, you got, like, a name or something? It's Cameron. 
Oh, perfect. Um, let me just put out this. <laughs> bye, bye, Ghost Cameron. Oh no. Uh, well, that was that was the ghost of a uh, different Cameron, but that means that Cameron, you get to be first. No, that's the, that's the ghost of Cameron past. That was me in the nineties. <laughs> Cam, that means you get to go first on this week. Uh, uh, our game is called "Where Did These Nursery Rhymes Come From?" The Babadook <laughs> in this movie is based on. A real, admittedly, a spooky nursery rhyme, but I don't even think we need to dig that hard. I think if we look back at the actual nursery rhymes of actual past, what we're going to discover is that all of them are terrible. So what I've done is I've pulled seven (laughs) actual nursery rhymes that you will probably recognize, um, and I've found at least one or two... um, Chicken wing, chicken wing, hot dog and bologna. That's not one of them. (laughs) Dang it! I found one or two of their possible (laughs) origins. Your job is to try to guess at what the origin is. So I'm going to tell you the name. Then, Cam, you're going to go first. This is is, um, sort of like our Yahoo Answers, where you'll both answer and whoever is closest gets the point. Um, At this point, I'm also willing to hand out multiple points on the same question if one of you is, like, shockingly close. Because I feel like you could maybe get shockingly close. So what I'll do is I'll give you the title, I'll give you a second to think where I read you the nursery rhyme in full, and then you have to tell me what you think it's actually about. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. You'll both answer all the questions like our Yahoo Answers game. Um, However, Cam, you're going to answer first on the first round. So this is... Where did these nursery rhymes come from? Number one is London Bridge is falling down. I knew this one was coming. Okay, let me read it just so, just so uh, for, for context. London Bridge is falling down, falling down, falling down. London Bridge is falling down, my fair lady. Cam, what do you think London Bridge is actually about? It's about an airplane. Like an airplane crash? About an airplane crash. Okay, Alex, what do you think London Bridge is actually about? <clears throat> London Bridge is about the Great London Fire of nineteen of seventeen sixty-two. <sighs> okay, um, I think the first round is going to go to Alex. Um, Let's go. And it's just by um, historical geography, um, in that. It, this was written way closer to the London fire than it was to planes. Um, there are two supposed mm. um, origins for this. One is that apparently in the past when you would build bridges, um, you would make a sacrifice <clears throat> while building the bridge. And b- Dibs on sacrificing Cameron. And by that I mean you would... Dibs on being sacrificed. You would, put, <laughs> you would build a person into the foundation of the bridge and they would slowly starve while they were buried in the foundation. That's one of the options. The other is that it's about a, a Viking attack in the 1400s um, where they raided a, an English town. So um, Alex said England, and that's as close. I'm only going to give you one point for that because it was only a little bit close. Um, but you could just decide how many points were given. I told you at the beginning of the game, sometimes I might give you, I extra was not points. listening. I could tell you weren't. Yeah, even looking. we know. <laughs> well, Alex, you get to go first this thought. time. So you better be listening. Alex. Okay. Listening. Let's talk about Jack and Jill. Jack and Jill goes like this in case you hadn't heard it before. Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. 
Alex, what do you think Jack and Jill is really about? This is the nursery rhyme and not the Adam Sandler movie, just in case that wasn't perfectly clear. <laughs> Jack and Jill. Good, because I still don't know what the Adam Sandler movie is about. <laughs> it's about... It's, it's about... The movie's about Dunkin' The Revolutionary Donuts. War. The Revolutionary War, okay. Cam, what do you think Jack and Jill's about? I was going to say capitalism. Capitalism. <laughs> okay, so the, the real... Either that or destroying the patriarchy. Capitalism or destroying... Revolutionary War. <laughs> so the, well, the apparent real um, background of the Jack and Jill fairy tale is that um, two, two young uh, married people um, are committing adultery with each other. Um, that's apparently that's what it means to go up a I've hill and fetch not a pail of water. On the podcast. Uh, no, of course not. But uh, Jill um, uh, becomes with child <laughs> and Jack in his despair at being found out um, does crack his head against a large rock and Jill follows suit. Um, so inc- we got to get darker, guys. You got to get way darker to get these yeah. right. Um, but because yeah. because you talked about patriarchy and that's um, also true in families and there was a family involved in this story, Cam, you're going to get the round two point. But again, I'll take only it. one because we're not close yet. I think we're going to get close I by do, the last round. I can respect that. Cam, round two. You get to answer first this mm. time. Let's talk about Ring Around the Rosie. I know this one. It goes Ring Around the Rosie, a pocket full of posies. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Is it about like, like a like a demonic, like satanic ritual? Ooh, a satanic ritual. Okay, Alex, what do you think? Isn't it about the plague? Mm, Alex, I think Alex, that's you're it. gonna get the. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna cap it at three points because that's exactly what it's about. It is about the yeah. bubonic plague. And Alex, I got to give you credit for that because you, when you said you knew it, you actually did know it. And I wasn't sure if that was going to be true or not. So it's good <laughs> to know that it was. You're going to get three I points. I knew I'd that. heard that one, but I didn't remember what it was. Yeah. Um, Ring Around the Rosie was about children catching the bubonic plague and dying of it and carrying flowers so that their corpses wouldn't smell so bad. Um, so it's, it's real pleasant. Um, and this is the kind of Beautiful. darkness that we need to dig for if we're going to win this game. I learned about that as a very young child. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you were going to be doing the nursery rhyme now. as a child, you should be <laughs> learning what it means as a child, too. <clears throat> Alex, you get to go Big first fact. this time. <clears throat> okay. We're talking about three blind mice, okay? okay? It goes like this. Three blind mice. Three blind mice. See how they run. See how they run. They all ran after the farmer's wife, who cut off their tails with a carving knife. Did you ever see such a thing in your life as three blind mice? Alex, what is three blind mice about? There's three of them. They're blind. It's about three servants who kill their master. Okay. Cam, what is three blind mice uh, I was about? Gonna go, but they're blind yeah, was, and look a little bit like mice. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go like slave owners. Hmm. Like sexual relationships between like slave owners and slaves. Mm, they're banging. Okay. <clears throat> Probably not a term I should have used. <laughs> just <laughs> just going to say that in full confidence before we have to address it later. 
This one, this one is actually tough because you both like have found certain things about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it to Cam because I think he's found the power dynamic. What it's actually about is Queen Mary the First, aka Bloody Mary, burning three noblemen at the stake who she thought was plotting against her. Um, so they they were apparently running around behind her back, so she cut off their tails, um, aka burned them alive, which is the same. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to come up with different words for symbolism here. <laughs> cutting off their tails, burning them at the stake. Um, because we're getting closer to the spirit of the game, Cam, I'm going to give you two points for that one. You weren't like spot on it, but you were much closer than some of our first guesses. So I'm going to give you two. I'll take it. And you get to go first. That's your other gift after that one. Cam, number five is Humpty Dumpty. If you'll remember, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men, well, they couldn't put Humpty together again. What's Humpty Dumpty about? And this is another one that I know I've heard. Mm -hmm. Notably, not an egg mentioned anywhere in that nursery rhyme. Right. Um, man, I, I remember hearing this one, but I can't remember what it is. And what I'm thinking of, I know it's not dead on. I know it's not right, but I'm going to go with it. Uh, I think it's going to be about like some type of like government like spy that was like like committing treason. Okay, a treasonous spy. Um, Alex, what do you think Humpty Dumpty is about? Winston Churchill and the Wall of Berlin. <sighs> okay. I, thi I think I'm going to give this one to Alex because even though the timeline is not anywhere near correct, <laughs> it is about an English wall. It's about an Englishman and a wall Humpty was actually the name of a cannon that was used in the English Civil War. Okay. And when they, when it was destroyed, a wall was destroyed during a siege, the cannon fell and they couldn't repair it. So I'm going to give, well, that's right. I'm tempted to give two points for that one. Be, Let's get it. Because you did find wall and English in yours. I'm going to give you two because I think that was pretty impressive. That's six points right yeah, there. Yeah, so right now the score is six to three. Um, but as we've shown, we'll give up to three points for this game. So it's still anybody's game. Alex, you get to go first this time. <clears throat> this might be the only one that you haven't heard. This is Mistress Mary Quite Contrary. It goes like this. Mistress Mary Quite Contrary. How does your garden grow? With silver bells and cockle shells? And pretty maids all in a row. What is Mistress Mary quite contrary about? Um, it is an accusation of Mary doing funny business and cheating on Joseph to make Jesus. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I didn't even catch that you were going to talk about, like, that Mary until the very end. Until you said Jesus. <clears throat> I didn't realize that's where you're going. Between that and Mary Magdalene and Jesus being married, Da Vinci Code. <laughs> okay, Cam, what do you think? What is Mistress Mary quite contrary about? Uh, it's about a, a an adulterer who who buries her lovers in her garden and uses them as fertilizer for her plants. That's good. That's really good. Um, that point is going to go to Cam. 
Um, because while it is not about either of those things, you've you found a couple Dang. of things. Um, this is actually, again, about Queen Mary the First, a.k.a. Bloody Mary. I've said it twice now, so we can't talk about her anymore on this show. <laughs> but uh, this time, the garden... Otherwise, her and the Babadook are going to show Yeah, up. I'm going to have both of them in here. And Ah, oh, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> and the Ghost of 90s Cameron. So. <laughs> Ghost of 90s Cameron. Uh, but Mistress Mary Quite Contrary is about how uh, Queen Mary the First... Beetlejuice. um the garden in reference is actually a uh uh, graveyard full of people she's beheaded um and silver bells and cockle shells are references to various torture devices that she apparently used um so i am going to give that point to cam and uh, just for the sake of competition i'm going to give him two points so that means going into the last round cam you'll be going first well also i was really close you were you were Pretty close. I think that was that was a t- worth two. That points. was a two point. If we're giving Alex two points just for getting British and Wall, <laughs> I had burying people as fertilizer. <laughs> well, either way, you're gonna get two points. There's not quite three. Um, but that puts us going into the final round at a score of Cam with five, Alex with six. This is anybody's game. Cam, rockabye baby. It goes like this. Rockabye baby in the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bow breaks, the cradle will fall. And down will come baby, cradle and all. Now let's talk for a second, because that's that's not great, even if we're not looking for the, like, where it actually inspired it in the background. This is a song about a baby falling out of a tree, which is not what you want. That's a baby shouldn't be in a tree and then it shouldn't fall out of a tree after that. Of all the things that I would suggest a baby should be involved in, that is very far down the list. <laughs> That's wise of you, Alex. Thank you. Thank you. But Cam, what is Rockabye Baby stance. about? What is it? Where'd it come from? Who did it? Um, I think it's going to be about suicide. Mm, just generally suicide. Okay, Alex, what do you think Rockabye Baby's about? It is about a mother who has an illegitimate child and puts the child in a tree to die. (laughs) I love that both of you have have truly found the spirit of the game here by the end of it. Um, I, I am going to award a singular point to Alex here on round seven the the real story well one of the supposed real versions of this story is that the it's about the wife of king james the second who was thought to be secretly replaced as an infant by the catholic church to ensure that protestants couldn't take over the throne of england which i think is just Uh. an incredible nonsense story that probably did happen (laughs) (laughs) because the past is insane but with that final singular point, Alex, you have won yeah. by a score of seven to five. Where did these nursery rhymes come from? Congratulations. That was Dope a good City. game. That was a fun one. That was a really Dope good City. one. That was a fun one. I win those. We win those. <laughs> um, okay, so. Don't miss. I think we should end this podcast. <laughs> that is usually what we do Congrats. after the game, yeah. Yeah I've, yeah, I've never quite found my rhythm as to <laughs> how I should end Episode 26. <laughs> really? 26? Wow. Yeah. Um, we'll get there eventually. You got to think about it. Look, all the great podcasts, 
they're great and all, but they're on episode like 500, you know? Yeah. So in the scope of that, we're very tiny boys and um, we will get better. Yeah, so, we're podcast uh, babies. <laughs> podcast babies in a treetop because <laughs> um, our mothers left us. Yeah, but because we got swapped by the Catholic Church. <laughs> This is the, the swap a <laughs> And in that, I'm going to swap a the topic. Uh, this is the Plain Sight Podcast. It's spooky season. Um, I hope we didn't scare you too much. Boop. We were very spooky boys this entire time. But um, in the nature of that, um, goodbye and boo. Peace out. Girl Scout. Wash your hands so that ghosts can't get on them. <laughs> 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 <laughs>